Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. So welcome to the Brave Bold Brilliant podcast. Great to be here today. Yeah. So I'm joined by an incredible guy, John Young, who has spent, gosh, 31 years at the BBC. Um, so journalism, presenting, you name it, you've been all over the BBC, but you also have your own business now, don't you? John do. Media. Yes, um, John Young Media. John yeah. Young Media, which is uh, helping other people in this field to really be able to portray themselves and communicate in the right way. So thank you for taking the time, John. It's a pleasure to be sitting here with you. Thank you. It's been fun already. I've already recorded you, Jeanette, from my little YouTube Keep It Simple Soundbite Club. So there's a 50-50 reciprocal thing going on here. <laughs> exactly. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But no, it's, it's fantastic. I'm going to talk about that as well. Sure. But before we do, I think what would be really helpful, some people will know you very well, other people might maybe less so. Of so can you just talk us through your journey and sort of how life started for you and where you are today and how you got there. Let's flash back to 1988 when I'm 22 and I'm just finishing university in the last year and I'm figuring out what do I want to do and I've done a degree in history and law. I mean my fourth, it was a four-year course, two years of history followed by two years of law and my family and my dad want me to be a lawyer because law is safe and it's secure and what could possibly go wrong. And I sort of think I want to be a lawyer, but I'm addicted to news bulletins. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'd like to be a journalist actually, but yeah, that's ain't gonna happen. And then I'm in the career center at university and there's this uh, advertisement for BBC news trainee scheme. And it looks so much fun, <laughs> but I think, well, I'll, I'll go and get a job as a lawyer. So I go off and get various interviews to become a lawyer. And I'm very lucky I'm offered three jobs. And I'm in London on the train coming back. It's the 20th of October, 1988. And I'm listening to some music on my Walkman. <laughs> and there's a track in my head by Tanita Tikaram. And it goes, believe in you, believe in you, believe in you. And I realise in that moment, I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to believe in myself and go for that BBC job. So I go back contact the lawyers and say no thanks can you hold it till next year maybe I'm going to try something else and ring my father and he's devastated and that was a very difficult conversation but it makes me even more determined to fill in the form for the BBC training scheme and apply and lo and behold they took me and I think one of the reasons they took me is because as I say I'm a news junkie and at this very time, they had relaunched the nine o'clock news and they had a new title sequence. Looked like uh, something out of Nazi Germany, crashing symbols onto a big radio mast, beaming out. And it, and it looked really strange. And I wrote to someone at the BBC newsroom to say, tell me about those news titles. They're really unusual. And this was in the age when you wrote rather than emailed. And I actually got a letter back. Can you believe that, Jeanette? Wow. I got a letter back. <laughs> And someone said, oh, well, this represents news. This represents how in news, things crashing at you all the time. It's all kicking off. It's all chaos. But our job is to make things clear, make things clear. Mm. We have chaos. We have to make it clear within an hour sometimes if you're in a newsroom. 
And my interview with the BBC came along and they asked me some random question and I levered in that answer about what news meant to me. And I found out afterwards that that answer really amused them and got them thinking as BBC news people. And they thought, well, if this guy is sad enough to, to, to analyse our title sequence and write to us and ask, we'd better give him a job. <laughs> so that's how I got into the BBC. And it's been a very, very happy 31 years ever since. And incidentally, if anyone goes on one of my workshops, I've given the game away because one of the first things I do, my very first activity within one minute, is to play those news titles and ask people what year they think it came from. So if you're going to come on one of my workshops, you don't know the year, all right? Pretend you don't know the year. <laughs> So, so obviously you've had 31 years at Beeb, which has been obviously a very fulfilling career. Um, and now you've got your own business, which I know you've been running sort of in adja adjacently really yes, for a period yes, of time. Part. Do you want to talk about the business that you have now and, and kind of why you've transitioned into that? Yes. Seven years ago, I decided I love reporting and presenting for BBC uh, news uh, in the southeast region as a reporter and a presenter and still am for, for now uh, but I decided I also want to do something else in my life my father had just uh, passed away he had set up his own business in his mid-40s he'd left me some money I thought if I'm going to do this I want to do it now mm. so I'm in my late 40s and I set the business up because I felt that businesses would be interested in knowing how newsrooms worked. Not media training. I wasn't going to train them how to avoid awkward questions in an interview situation. That would be, uh, uh, that would be against the rules with the BBC anyway. There'd be a conflict of interest. And the BBC made it clear, you can set up your business, but not if you're going to do that. So I was never going to do that. But what I've tapped into is that businesses, newsrooms have to be agile. You have to be quick. You have things coming at you and you have to get it out. You have to communicate really clearly mm. under pressure. So that, I've taken the secrets of how we do that in newsrooms day after day, bulletin after bulletin, and distilled that into some fun workshops and activities. Not right for every company. Mm. If you like a lot of theory, if you like a lot of info on your PowerPoints and flowcharts and all that, I'm not your man. But if you want someone to come and say, this is how newsrooms work, this is how we do things fast, this is how we avoid groupthink, this is how we get stuff done on time, every time, then... I can share all those secrets with lots of fun examples around news. Yeah. And it seems that there is a need for that. Particularly now under COVID, I've, I've pivoted myself in this terrible pandemic to say, okay, that's one thing I do, but also tweaking that, we need to broadcast now, don't we? You're holding a meeting on Zoom, you've got to hold the attention. You can't ramble, you can't let it finish late. And those again are newsroom skills. So I'm now running online workshops to help businesses be better broadcasters online. Mm, brilliant. And what I like about your journey and kind of where you are at this point of your journey is that you almost, you've taken that brave, bold move to become your own boss, to have your own business after you know, a, a pretty long time in a, rel in a structured organisation like the BBC. Yes. So where did that kind of courage come from to pivot and make the change, do you think? If I'm very truthful, I think it was the fact that my father inspired me because he'd set up his own business. Mm. And I won't lie, he left me a sum of money. It wasn't a fortune. It didn't mean I could just throw everything away, but it gave me that security to think, well, if this goes wrong, I, 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 it's not going to be the end of the world. And also, hats off to the BBC as an organisation that was prepared to allow its staff to have portfolio careers, to, to, to develop other skills and it's useful for journalists to be business people as well because mm. they're part of the community 
So I think it was having the security blanket of not leaving the BBC, but of having that still going on for, for the last seven years while running my business. Having said that, I must now declare that as of the 24th of October, I will have left the BBC. I've chosen the time is right now to develop my business full time. So I've had that support for all those years. But what I've done has not been a BBC product. I should I always make that very clear. It's my own my own ideas, my own business, my own concepts, revealing the secrets of how news people think. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot of um, great advice in here, actually, because people who are listening that maybe are in a job um, but have an aspiration to, to get into something different, it's quite a nice way to do it almost, to, to try and set set something up on the side and then eventually once you've got the confidence the financial position or whatever to jump into it full time it allows people to almost test and learn doesn't it without actually being too if you're not so risk uh, if you're quite risk averse it it balances that it does balance and not everyone's lucky enough to be able to do that I'm very conscious of that but I was I made a judgement call I had the support of my family and it's been just an absolute blast yeah brilliant and let's talk a little bit about the presenting versus the journalism side of things because obviously you, you spent, you've you done both, haven't you, during yes. your time at the BBC? Are they quite quite different skills? I imagine they are. No, but... I don't think they are, Jeanette. Oh, okay. I think presenting, the word actually I don't much like, I think it can... My take on presenting is you're just doing what anyone can do, which is to speak and communicate. And the notion that presenting is... is anyone could do it, is what I'm saying here. I think the tr- a truly good presenter, if you like, needs to understand the story that they're introducing have written the words that they're going to write and therefore be across the whole detail. Mm. Um, Journalism is all about finding stories, finding people and then presenting that, whether it's in the form of a report or sitting in the studio with your makeup and looking smart and having an earpiece. And in my judgment, I've said this to anyone who's ever asked, the easiest job in the newsroom is to present. The hardest job is to marshal the facts get it all organised, get it all together on time, explain complicated things clearly. Mm. So my respect within any newsroom, any of any BBC, ITN, Channel 4, is actually to the reporters and the production teams rather than the presenters. Because yeah. the presenting, in my judgement, ain't that difficult. Well, that's encouraging because a lot of people maybe in terms of their own presentation skills, communication skills, maybe have some blockers that, that they think, oh, gosh, this is really difficult. It's some not dark me, mystery, you know? is some dark yeah. science. And, okay, some people have more energy, some, some are more animated. I'm one of those people. But, but the, the, I don't think it is a, a, a terribly difficult thing to achieve. And I think the first trick to achieving it is just having a go. Mm, absolutely. So, John, obviously you mentioned about your dad being quite entrepreneurial. Mm. Um, and for you, you're now in that world yourself. Yep. Um, took you a while because you were yes. at the BBC uh, <laughs> yes. for, for so long. Do you think that being around your dad and the entrepreneurial world he was in has, has had a big impact on you? Or was it something that, you know, you've sort of evolved into, but really, you know, you're giving it a go now, but wasn't yeah. necessarily your sort of you know, main focus? No, in fact, it had little impact on me at all until suddenly the scales fell from my eyes when he was much, much older. My father ran a business. He, he was in the city in the 60s. I was born in 66. He was in the city in a big corporate firm. And then in the early, late 60s, he set up his own business doing stock market advice. And it was a real struggle. And sometimes when he was honest with me, he admitted he sort of regretted it because he had money pouring in and he mm. went his own way because he thought he had this thing and he sort of did, but it was much harder work and I don't think he made, ever made nearly as much money. 
I could not be, I'm not terribly interested in finance and city matters. My father and I had a complicated relationship and I suspect probably one of the reasons I'm not is because of that relationship. <laughs> I was the arty one who wanted to go off and report news. Yeah. So I didn't take much notice of any of that until he was in his last years and ill and I was understanding him and his journey a little bit more. And I realized the courage it had taken for him to leave a big corporate job and do his own thing and struggle and wrestle with that whilst instantly bringing me up single-handed because my mother wasn't on the scene. Um, she, she had moved abroad and left me behind to be brought up by my father. That's another story. But he single-handedly raised me while running a business and that was exhausting. Um, but to answer your question, Jeanette, no, it didn't, I, I didn't focus on that until I thought maybe I could do this. And it was only after he died, in the months after he died, that I thought this is the time to do it. Let's talk about timing then, because I think life is often about timing, isn't it? Because sometimes there's just almost a, a combination of um, events coming together, if you like. And obviously, in this case, your father passing away was one of them. Um, but why is the timing perfect for you right now? Because I have been riding these two bicycles, if that's not a strange metaphor, and COVID has given all of us a, a real need, as I've said, to broadcast effectively through Zoom, through Teams, whatever. I now have seven years running a business under my belt, so I know what works, what doesn't, how to contact, how to network, what, what, how you have to focus on a company's need more than what you're offering. You have to think about what is their need? How can I meet this need? I think I've learned that, as I think many people do in their own business. It's some, you, have a, you go down a few dead ends mm. and then you pick things up. So I think for me, the time is right at 54 to jump in fully now because I think I understand what businesses' needs are more than ever. And if I keep doing the BBC thing for the rest of my life, I don't think I will ever have fulfilled... I don't think I can ever truly claim I have run a business. Mm. because I've always yeah. had the support there. Yeah, I think there's a big thing here because, I mean, the, the the rationale behind this podcast, Brave, Bold, Brilliant, is because I firmly believe everyone's got greatness within them and that everyone can fulfil their true potential. Um, it's not always easy to do that and some people have regrets that they don't follow those dreams. So I think it's wonderful that you, that you are now, actually. And let's talk about the business a little bit and how you said you started it seven years ago. Yes. Your offering now has evolved and we use the word pivot a lot yes, during these times, we? which actually just means change. <laughs> so, so talk about your offering now and how, how it's, it's, you've shaped it over those seven years. It started as team building. Hey, hey, I'd say to a company, you've got a team, you want to give them something fun, ask, come up and set up a nice a newsroom and they'll do, be news journalists for a couple of hours. Um, and that was fine, but a lot of companies didn't really need team building or they'd already got a provider. And, and so I had to make a strong case for it in the early days. Mm. Then it moved more on to agility in the newsroom. I began to understand that the greater need of businesses was to be agile, to meet deadlines, to focus more as a real business skill rather than as a lighthearted thing to do on a, on a weekend instead of going water rafting. So that was my second move, if you like. And that's where I picked up some big clients, uh, EasyJet, Gatwick Airport, American Express, if I'm allowed to drop yeah, a few of the corporate yes, names of people who have used me. And that's all very reassuring. And I thought, yeah, this really works. And mm. the feedback I got, because I, as a rule, I will not leave a building until I've had feedback on the form. So I know immediately what worked, what didn't, mm. uh, was that this really works. And then the third move, having done that for the past couple of years, was, as I mentioned, now I'm realizing that people are having to do all this remotely 
and hey, ka-ching, in my face, everyone's having to be a broadcaster and I've got those skills. Mm -hmm. Starting on time, ending on time, shaking things up, having a bit of energy down a camera lens. Mm. So, so, so I think it's absolutely valid because you're right, Zoom, I mean, we talk about Zoom gloom, don't we? Don't and we? all of this, you know, and, and you're right, it's quite exhausting communicating with impact in, in the current environment that we're all in. But nonetheless, it's a reality that we face. So, you know, obviously not to give away all of your uh, secrets, <laughs> John, but what would be some of the pieces of advice you would give to people listening that are having to communicate on Zoom or remotely and keep their teams engaged and their business, you know, stakeholders engaged? I'll give you... Three, if you are delivering training to a team, stand up. New studios are often stand up. It adds energy, it adds mm. impact. And if you'd be leading a training workshop in a room, you'd be standing up. So I wouldn't sit down. Okay. Make it, chunk it up. Don't talk at people for 30 minutes on, a, on, a, on Zoom. It's exhausting. Every six or seven minutes, ask questions have a quiz there's a polling function on zoom i suggest you use it there are apps like menti and kahoot where you can play games you can you can ask questions people can answer if they've got their smartphone download an app sounds complicated it works so you can get as close to replicating that workshop atmosphere mm. on online so stand up <coughs> excuse me chunk it up and this may sound strange jeanette use people's names when you're in a newsroom, when you're interviewing people, you often can't see them. They're what we call down the line. They're standing outside the studio somewhere and it could be another part of the country or the world. And sometimes you're interviewing two people and to let, who, let each other know when you're speaking. You'll say, so, Mr. Smith, so, uh, Councillor so-and-so. You actually use the names to start them and to finish them. And the same principles, I think, apply on a Zoom meeting. Mm. So when you're going around the room, don't just say, oh, so who agrees with that? Say, Simon, what do you think of that? Thanks, Simon. Mary, what do you think? And encourage people when they are going to chip in to say, it's John here. I, I just want to pick up on what Paul said. And then for Paul to say, oh, Paul here. Um, yes, I agree. Almost like when you're flying a plane, when you're communicating with, 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 with the air traffic control or in the studio, when you're communicating with the gallery. These things need, I think, to be done. Um, and I think it's okay, final piece of advice, wrapping that up at the beginning of a session, I think all start with impact. Don't start with the, the etiquette. Start with something else. But one, very quickly come to what I call webiquette and maybe have a slide or a moment where you say, let's use names, um, put your hand up, you know, encourage people to actually un acknowledge that they're on Zoom and that it's not going to be the same as if they're in a room. Yeah, no, that's great advice, actually. Oh. Just some real practical tips that anyone listening can just kind of put into their everyday you know, Zoom world that we're in. And... and just in general about public speaking and having confidence, I come across a lot of my mentee clients. Um, you know, some of them will be quite confident and, and sort of out there. Other people are more nervous um, about their communication skills. So what sort of advice would you give to someone who is maybe more of a nervous communicator or is starting out um, presenting or doing some public speaking? In an online environment or in, just In general, generally? I would say, sort of confidence in speaking. It's, it's a hard one to sum up, but I think, and this sounds a bit of a cliche, but just believe in yourself. There's this phrase, isn't there, imposter syndrome? Yeah. 
you probably feel you Jeanette, you may be talking of someone who may feel they're a bit of an imposter and why mm. would anyone want to listen to them I think we all feel that yeah you know I <laughs> think true. we all do let's be honest yes. um, but then you do it and you realize that people really value what you've done and the imposter syndrome fades away so I would just say to anyone if you're feeling nervous or inadequate or not up to it be reassured that everybody else thinks that of themselves too and if they don't then they may be um not the sort of person you want to be anyway yeah that's great advice i thought you might say you know picture them naked or something yeah, like no, that no i don't like that don't like <laughs> you that don't like that, that no <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is you're right imposter syndrome is is sometimes challenging for people um, and i think years ago all the re- when the research was done in the 70s they thought it was more of a female um mm. phenomena and actually it's not oh, no, as you say. it's male as well <laughs> Well, that's reassuring to hear that it's not just us girls that suffer with this. So in terms of your, when you look back at your career, can you pinpoint, I mean, it's probably very difficult because you've had such a phenomenal career, a time when you really enjoyed everything you were doing, that all the stars aligned and it was just brilliant, you know, and you, you look back with great fondness of what you achieved or someone that you interviewed or, you know, any sort of key moments, key highlights for you? Today? <laughs> The stars are aligning for me at the moment, actually, yeah. Jeanette. And I don't, I don't mean to sound trite. I, I really think that I'm at a sweet spot now of having put away a wonderful 31 years and, and starting a new adventure mm. going solo with my business. But to answer your question more in a more straightforward way, I think it was very exciting in the early days. I was in Newcastle upon Tyne at the end of the 90s. And I was doing my first serious reporting shifts. I was also doing my first presenting shifts. I was in my early 30s, so I was developing some warm relationships. I was in my first personal relationship. I'd bought my first house and I was in a very happy place there. But my memories of, of those days in Newcastle on time are, and I think this is a, 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 a takeaway for anyone that I'd like to share, are equally of work and home. Mm. They were of loving the job, excited by the job, but also loving my home, loving my relationship, loving my friendships, mm. loving the city in which I lived. Mm. I think that's the trick. If you can find a period where you're, you're happy in your personal and private life as well as professional, then you're a lucky yeah. person. And I think that, I think that, you know, we talk a lot about bringing your whole self yeah. to, to work. And, and I think, year, you know, a few years ago, maybe... Uh, people thought they had to present a certain image or a certain style because that what was it was maybe what was expected in the corporate world. Um, but actually, you're right. I think being much more authentic and bringing your whole self means that you you engage on a much more real level with people and have more fun and enjoyment personally along yes, the way. Yes, yeah, yes. that's that's really really great advice. Let's talk about the soundbite sound, sound club. <laughs> Keep it simple, soundbite club. <laughs> yes, please. Well, this was my uh, attempt to. Well, if I'm blunt, you know, every if you're running a consultancy as I am, it's good to be on YouTube, it's good to be on the social media, it's good to have something that makes you stand out. Mm. And I thought that I would come up with something. What was my USP? What can, what can I bring value to? And I thought, well, keeping things simple, keeping things short. News is all about brevity and mm. being succinct. So I thought, let's film interesting people. And I've just filmed you, Jeanette, <laughs> to get them to answer things, but in a, in a really short period of time about how to keep something simple in just 60 seconds or so. And so I interview people, I put that on YouTube, I make sure it's got some nice graphics at the beginning and the end to make it look professional. And 
give people something that, that's just something they can watch very, very quickly because we're all very busy. I think there's a time and a place for in-depth conversations, podcasts, just like this, just mm. like on the radio. You have long programs that are interesting, but mm. you also increasingly have very short things. So I've gone for the short market and that on my social media, my LinkedIn, whatever, is, is why I've come up with that idea. It's, I love it because it, it, it's very often we will waffle on, you know, and I can be a right waffler. Yeah, so, so can I. I. So I've been, <laughs> here's me saying, oh, keep it simple, I've given you some long answers. But um, there's a time and a place for both. And yeah. I've gone down that road. So that's what that's all about. And also, I think for, for people that just <clears throat> really want to have a short, sharp bit of advice mm. that, or inspiration or something, yeah. that, that's great, you know, because they can get to digest a lot of insight from lots of different people in a very short space of time. Yes, How cool yes. is that? And I think sometimes if you if you offer 20 pieces of advice, they'll all be forgotten. If you offer just one and stop, it'll get noted. Do you know, I was listening to one of your um, your video YouTube clips um, about your five QAs. Yeah, yeah. And it was really clear. It was really simple. It was, you know, I got the point straight away. Done. Yes, yeah. Thank you for giving me a little shout out for that episode. That's very, that's great, John. I could almost have engineered that. <laughs> I didn't, honestly, really didn't. I didn't. Just me doing my uh, research this morning. Yeah, yeah, no, fantastic. But um, when it comes to the best piece of advice that you've ever been given, can you think of something that stands out in your, in your mind? I think within a broadcasting world, mm. just be you. Mm. just talk to the viewer try not to lecture them use their language keep it short I think for broadcasting that's very very mm. handy for business I think it was when someone came to me and said John what you're doing sounds terribly interesting but it's not meeting my need and at that moment I thought I get it I finally get it find out what people's a business's need is mm. and then address it put them first not you in the same way really with broadcasting when you're broadcasting to audience you've got to put it in their language and and, and address the points they want addressed because they're the important part of it the audiences in the same way if I'm trying to seek work with businesses the businesses need is the important part of it yeah no I think that's great advice and um, any bad advice that sticks in your mind at all Oh, I'm wrestling that. Um, I could probably think of quite a lot. But I, no, do you know what? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But if I let you know, I'll, if I think of something, I will let you know. You can <laughs> let me know. You can't, maybe it was so bad that you just blocked it out anyway. And that, that's the point of bad advice. I've been lucky. <laughs> Excellent. And if you were going to give some advice to, say, a young person starting out at in, either in presenting or in business, given that you wear both hats, actually... Um, what would your advice be to someone in that situation? Um, in, if they're having to present to the board, present to a sales team, as I say, keep it simple. Involve, if it's online, involve your audience straight away. Mm. Don't start your presentation with a three-minute background on you because they're not that bothered. Engage them immediately. Say what you're going to give them. Use the word you. Say, in this presentation, I'm going to give you this thing. Mm. Use the word you. That's one great piece of advice I was given through my uh, membership of the Professional Speaking Association. It sounds rather la da but actually is a group of speakers who analyse each other's public speaking. And use the word you early on is a really useful piece of advice mm. there for presenting. And the other part of your question, Jeanette, was that in business? In uh, business, yes. What, you know, what advice would you give to someone starting out in business? Well, I think, again, it is 
goes back to what I was saying earlier about address the need of the client. Don't think that what you've got is necessarily what they're going to want. Find out what they actually want first and then figure out how you can honestly, with integrity, offer that. And if you think, well, I can't really, go away and find another potential client. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice, actually. And um, don't be afraid to walk away from those clients that maybe aren't the right fit or you're not the right fit for them. Have the confidence and to do that. I think that's really good advice. So where can people find you, John? They can find me, johnyoungmedia.co.uk. The word media in my title is... I partly actually regret using that because it gives the impression I do media training per se, although mm. as I'm now leaving the BBC, I will be able to do that, but it's not my first and foremost what I do. But johnyoungmedia.co.uk is my very lively website. Loads of video testimonials there for what it's worked, but also a sense of how my workshops work. So if you think, hmm, this guy sounds interesting, then I've got um, two-minute quick-hit videos where you can see me in action and make a judgment because you don't want to book someone you've never seen them, so that's why those videos are there. Or my YouTube channel, which I'll be honest, isn't as polished as it should be. I kind of shove stuff up there randomly. And in fact, tomorrow, as a sign that we're always learning in business, yeah. I'm having a coaching session on how to tighten up and sharpen up my YouTube channel. But if you go to YouTube and tap in John Young Media, you'll be able to find me there. And LinkedIn, uh, John Young Media will find me as well. Brilliant. That is so great. I can't thank you enough, John, for being interviewed for the podcast. You are absolutely brave, bold and brilliant, of well, course. And uh, good luck with all of the new ventures that you're taking forward. Very exciting time for you. Thank you. I feel like I've been on Desert Island Discs of Sword and be able to... Because in, the, in my world, every interview is about two minutes long. So to have been able to speak at such length and um, respond to such interesting questions has been fun for me too. So thank you. Great stuff. Excellent.